We've been answering or exploring the question of what is the church? And we've been looking at these different images that we see in the New Testament. And so far, we've been through quite a journey. We've talked about how the church is a body. Christ is our head, and we support one another in this unity and diversity. We've talked about how we are a bride. Jesus is our groom who loves us to death and gives us a a whole new capacity to love one another. We talked about how we're a nation, that we're, we're part of something bigger. We're part of this unshakable kingdom. We talked about how we're a family. God is our father, and the status of that brings us hope, love, and assurance. We talked about how we are the temple, that God lives in us and among us. We talked about how we're a flock, that Jesus brings us into this growing, diverse fold. Last week, Pastor John talked about how we are Christians that we trust the person and the work of Jesus Christ as this community of faith. And now we are on our final image this morning. And today we're going to look how the church is light. So if you're not there, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. And let me give you some context of what's going on as we begin this morning. So Jesus is giving his Sermon on the Mount. And he sits down on the mount in this typical rabbinic, rabbinic position, and all of his disciples and these other people come to him, this mixed group. And so he starts to preach. And then he turns to specifically his disciples to address them. And Jesus makes it clear that the church is a visible community of Christ followers that bring glory to God. And so today, what I want to do is I want to look at three ways in which the church is to be a light, is to shine for Christ. So let us pray and ask God to just bless our time. Father, we come to you and we ask that you would bless our time, that you would open our hearts, that your spirit would fill us, illuminate your word, and help us grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing we're going to look at is the church is resplendent light or magnificent light. Verse 14, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Now, I don't want, to, want you to miss this. When he says, you are the light of the world, this is an emphatic you. He's saying, you are the light of the world. He doesn't say you're to be a light. He says, you are the light. As Christ's church... Being the light is not what we do, it's who we are, wherever God has placed us. Further, he says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden, it cannot be concealed. When Eric and I were doing our cross-country trip here in July, we stopped in the Colorado Rockies. It wasn't a planned stop, it was one of those stops where you're like, I'm tired of driving, this is beautiful, let's just stop. And I remember that night, we, it was dark, and we were walking around this lake, and we looked above, and there's all these little towns. If you've ever been there, these, all these little towns in the Colorado Rockies, and we saw this town, and it was, you couldn't conceal it. It was just bright. And it wasn't just one light, it was a bunch of lights, but that town was, was prominent, it was glorious, it was resplendent in the darkness of the Rockies. And as Christ's church, we cannot conceal ourselves. We're not called to be undercover Christians. Concealing Christ only denies our calling. And we're to shine with the resplendent light of Christ. And we do this overtly, unashamedly, and in positions of and places of prominence. He's talking about being on a hill. 
if we're on a hill, if we're on these positions and places of prominence, we're not to shy away from being the resplendent light of Christ. And there's requirements for this. Being a resplendent light requires boldness. In boldness to confront the issues in the time that we live with the people that God has put in our context, with the wisdom of God that transcend time. We're called to be bold. But boldness doesn't grow on trees. You just don't become bold. Our boldness for Christ is fueled. It's fueled by being in awe of Christ. That's what we're fueled by. We love Jesus so much. He is so magnificent. That's our fuel for being bold and stepping out and saying, let me tell you about the good news. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. It's fueled by that, that passion. And being a resplendent light requires Christ to be our everything. Let me take a quick excursion real quick to to the Philippians. This is how the Apostle Paul puts it. Now, the Apostle Paul... Well, the Apostle Paul was the ancient, most interesting man in the world. He, he had an educational and a religious pedigree that was quite impressive. But this is what the Apostle Paul says. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider, for this, I, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. This is Paul. He says, all that stuff, that prominence, I count it garbage. I don't even care about my, my, my educational pedigree or where I come from. It's all garbage and compared to Christ. And he's saying, this is what fuels my passion. I'm in awe of Christ, and Christ is everything to me. That's what he's saying. That's what fuels our light for Christ, this resplendent light as God's people. But we have to be clear, because that sounds very good coming from a pulpit in church, and we're like, yes, yes. But there's consequences for being a resplendent light. You see... There's, there's, a, there's a war going on between darkness and light, and darkness does not like light. There's a spiritual battle. And as we become resplendent lights of Christ, we're going to be met with different types of folks. We're going to be met with people that scatter. You ever had a flashlight at night when you camp, and, and you turn the flashlight on, and you look, and like all these little things, all these critters scatter everywhere? That's going to be some people that we come across. They're going to hear the light of Christ, and they're going to go, I'm done, I can't deal with this, and they're going to scatter. There's going to be some that no matter what we say, no matter how much we love them, they're not going to be, they're not going to be happy. They're going to be offended. They're going to um, not like what we say. I mean, think about this. Have you ever been sleeping, and someone flips the light on, and you're like, ah! And they're like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, it doesn't matter what the person says. They can say they're sorry all day long. But you're like, I don't want to hear it. You just flipped the light on my face. Some people are going to have that reaction to us. And some we're going to attract 
And the only purposes that we're attracting them is because they're going to harm us. They're going to bite us. I found out this, this uh, summer being here in Massachusetts. If you put a light on outside during the summer, mosquitoes attract are attracted to those light, that light, and you end up leaving with all these mosquito bites everywhere. This is what will happen if we're the resplendent light of Christ. We'll attract some just for the purposes of them hurting us. And Christ warned us of this. But yet, some, God will attract. He'll attract them to the resplendent light, his light, to be transformed by his light. I mean, some of you are sitting here right now. You've been transformed by that resplendent light of Christ. You see, people are lonely and they're confused and they need truth. They need light. And that's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to shine, the resplendent light of Christ. Now, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, okay, we're, we're not supposed to be concealed, but are you telling me we should be like separate? I'm not, I'm not saying we're going to go build some compound with walls around it. Or, no, we're called to be in this world, but not of this world, burning with the passion of Christ. We're called to engage. You see, here's the thing. We burn with passion for the things that we love the most. I hear people talking about sports. I mean, I've heard, pe- I've heard people talk about Tom Brady more in my life than I've ever in the last few months. And it's with a passion. It's like, he's the greatest quarterback ever. And I'm like, wow. They really love that dude, like for reals. Some of you are in here. You're like, yeah, yeah. Preach it, preach it. Um, sorry. But we burn bright for the things that we love the most that has grabbed our affections. And so we have to really, we have to get real with ourselves and say, has Christ grabbed our affections? Do we love Christ the most? Because that's what we're called to do. That's the kind of light that we're called to be. So that's the first thing. The second thing, we're called to be reflective lights. Now, it's interesting, when I was in Yosemite a few years back, there's some great, like, it's beautiful up there. And there's a particular spot where there's a lake, and there's a a big um, mountain, and the mountain reflects perfectly off of the lake. And the science behind that is is quite interesting. You know, a reflective light is a result of ray, a, a light ray, reflecting off of a surface. And the manner in which that light is reflected has a direct relationship with the surface angles, composition of the surface, and any sort of visual hindrances. And we are the light. We have to remember that our source is the light, Jesus Christ, spoken through the witness of the Bible by the supernatural illumination of the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is, is if we do not get the Bible right, we cannot reflect the light of Christ accurately. It's impossible. Verse 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. To give you some context, people used to, a house used to be lit by a lamp that you would light. And Jesus is, is making that analogy. And he's saying, it makes no sense to light this lamp and you provide light to the house and then you go, oh, I'm going to put a bowl over it. That makes no sense. You're still in darkness. Why would you do that? And that's what he's saying. 
And as Christ's reflective light, we're called to be biblically transparent. We're called to reflect the truth of Scripture without any hindrances or reservations. I mean, this is God's word. This is just what he says. And we're to present this in a very simple, accurate, and culturally relevant way. I love it what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2. He, he's talking to the Corinthians, and he's like, listen, I didn't come to you with this eloquent speech. I didn't come to you with this rhetoric that was just so beautiful, and I didn't talk around this. I just was very simple and accurate, and I just preached Christ crucified. Simply, that's all I did. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to just, just preach Christ crucified. Preach the gospel. Preach God's words. Just simply, accurately, and culturally clear. We continue on verse 15. It says, instead, they put it on a stand. So you take that lamp, and then you put it on the stand. As Christ's reflective light, we're called to be biblically solid. We're not to refract or bend scripture. There's a difference between reflecting and refracting. Reflecting reflects the image. Refracting is taking that light and bending it. it actually, you actually are bending something. We're called not to bend Scripture. We're just called to reflect the truth of Scripture, of the Bible. And we're not supposed to make excuses or apologies about it. It's just God's Word. Simply God's Word. We're to stand firm in it, in its authority, veracity, sufficiency. I mean, we got the very words of God in our hands. And just historically thinking about this, do you know how many people have died for the very fact that we could even hold this Bible in our hands and worship? Who are still dying right now for this? This is huge. And God speaks to us through his word. By the natural act of reading, he works supernaturally through the power of the Holy Spirit to illuminate his words. We have that at the very palm of our hands. Further, verse 15, it says, and it gives light to everyone in the house. So you light a lamp, you put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. And as Christ's reflective light, we're called to be biblically agile. You know, be very agile, be very understand, like understand scripture, be able to answer questions. And this is where it gets really uncomfortable, right? Because you're like, I hate answering questions. But we're called to be prepared to answer questions. I mean, we're coming up on a season of our life where all of the people in our families and friends are coming together, and people have questions. As we proclaim the things of God, as we bring up things in his word, people have questions, and they should have questions. Do you remember how you came to faith? Did you just come blindly, or did you have questions? You had questions. And people answered those questions. And we need to be prepared to answer those questions. And people deserve a good answer, a truthful answer, an answer that is filled with light, the light of Scripture. This is what 1 Peter says. Peter says this, 1 Peter 3.15, he says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So he says, don't shrink away, but engage people in this if they have questions. But, but do this with gentleness and respect. Don't be worried about winning the argument, win the person. But be truthful. Give them the truthful of, the, of, of God's word. And here's the thing. You reflect what you consume. You reflect what you consume. A few months ago, Erica and I had, had one of our loved ones that 
I just noted a shift in their behavior. They became very, they became very anxious and fearful, and this was uncharacteristic of this person. And it was like, what's going on here? As we started digging deep, we started realizing that our loved one had been consuming all of these different links on Facebook that were very fearful, anxious posts. And that's all they were consuming 24-7. And it was manifesting itself. That's what they were reflecting in their life. Anxiety, fear. And you're like, this is what you consume all day. And as God's, word, as God's people, as his reflective light, we're called to consume God's word and reflect it to a culture that so desperately needs light, needs truth. So i got to ask you, what are you consuming right now? And what are you reflecting? So that's the second thing. The third thing. The church is a radiant light. The church is a radiant light. And what I mean by radiant light, it's not only just visually, but there's a, there's a, a, a property of heat that's, that's associated with this. I, I'm, I was thinking about when I was at basic reconnaissance course back in 2004. Um, I was on um, Coronado Island in San Diego. I don't know if you've ever been there. Coronado Island is beautiful. But when you go there, and I was an amphibious reconnaissance guy, when you, when you go there and you do training, that becomes like the island of terror. All right? You don't want to go to the islands. They trick you. Everything looks nice, and you realize, like, man, they're going to they're gonna do some really horrible things to me and make me do some stuff. And I remember we had a particular exercise. It was called wetsuit appreciation. <laughs> Sounds good, right? And we would go into the 50-degree Pacific Ocean with our fins, no wetsuits, and do some amphibious reconnaissance stuff in the pitch dark, and you swear you feel things like brushing up against your leg, and you're thinking, is this a great white shark? You think all this weird stuff. You're freezing, but you'd look at the beach, and you'd see that the instructors had started with start a fire. They start this big beach bonfire, and it was just something about it. That radiant light and the heat that it provided, it, 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 was, it produced this positive psychological effect. It was like it wasn't just visually stimulating, but we felt the heat, and it it really just did something to us. It provided warmth, energy. Our energy was renewed. And the interesting thing about radiant light, radiant heat, is that it actively transfers its properties to anything within its sphere of influence. You put something by a fire, it's going to be hot, right? So we look at verse 16. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As Christ's radiant light, we are to actively and positively affect the psyche of those within our sphere of influence with the warmth and energy of the gospel. We have been entrusted with such a message, with such a Savior. We're called to present this to a world that so desperately needs it in word and deed in word and deed. Here's the thing. The culture doesn't need resuscitation. It needs resurrection. It doesn't need reconstruction. It needs reconciliation. And we have the message. It starts with the gospel. And as Christ's visible community, 
We have been entrusted and commissioned for this very single purpose. Mark 16, 15. This is Jesus. He says, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We have the the message of the gospel. The gospel that says, God created the world. And it was good. No, not only was it good, it was very good. But sin entered the world. And because sin entered the world, there is now a chasm between us and God. But God, in his love, sent his only son, Jesus Christ, the eternal son, to come down, live a perfect and righteous life. And he died, and he was buried, but he resurrected. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we too are resurrected to new life. But it's not over. Because he's coming back, and there's a renewal that will take place, and we will one day be perfect again. And we have a hand in that renewal as God's people, as his lights. That's our message. It's a powerful message. It's powerful truth. Now, maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, listen, Brian. One, don't yell. Two, Sorry, I get excited. Two, I don't think I need to say anything. I mean, I volunteer every week. I do my service. I love God. I don't think I need to say anything. And I I say this with the most love and and affection. Have have you forgot how good the gospel is? Like, have you forgot it? How good it really is? Perhaps... We're just downplaying the power of the gospel. This good news of the gospel, this good news of Christ, has transformative power. I mean, it's transformed people. Some of you are those transformed people sitting in this room. It's transformed towns. It's transformed countries. It's transformed civilizations. That's what we've been entrusted with. Maybe you're sitting there and you're like, well, why should I say anything? Well, we read it in verse 16. Glorify your Father in heaven. We should say something because our purpose in life is to bring God glory. That's our purpose. The why is to bring God glory. That's why we're created. There's an interesting quote. He who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. It's a pretty good quote. He who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. You know who said that? Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche. We have a purpose. Our purpose is to glorify God, to be passionate for Christ. And not only that, he equips us for the how. So I have to ask you, how do you burn with the passion to make the gospel known? How do you burn with the passion for the gospel to be known here in your context? What do you do? As I close, I want to encourage us. First, I want to encourage us individually. Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday. But it could be a mixed bag, right? You're showing up. You don't know what conversations you're going to get into. You probably know it's going to be an uncomfortable conversation at some point. But what a great opportunity we have to be light just around our Thanksgiving table. When you go around, you say, what am I thankful for? I'm thankful for 
my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for whatever, but I'm thankful for him. We have the opportunity. People are going to actually listen because we're proclaiming what we're thankful for. So I encourage you to be a light just around the table. And as a church, I want to encourage us. What would happen? Just what would happen if we took this idea of being light as a church? What if we took this very seriously? We burned with the passion of Christ. What would happen here in the Merrimack Valley? What would happen? Transformation on a scale that would be unexplainable to anyone. That's how God works. We have that opportunity here. Let's burn with the light of Christ. Not worrying about making free Christian church famous, but making Christ famous. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are, and we thank you for using dim people like us as lights, as your lights, by empowering us for your glory. We thank you. I pray as we go forth that you would give us boldness, that you would give us passion, that you would give us opportunity. We just thank you for who you are.